0: chapter twenty of pushing to the front by horizon sweat marden this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by luke sartor chapter twenty tact or common sense who is stronger than thou asked braham and force replied address victor hugo address makes opportunities The want of it gives them bovie he'll suit his bearing to the hour laugh listen learn or teach eliza cook a man who knows the world will not only make the most of everything he does know but of many things he does not know and will gain more credit by his adroit mode of hiding his ignorance than the pedant by his awkward attempt to exhibit his erudition colton the art of using moderate abilities to advantage wins praise and often acquires more reputation than actual brilliancy Roach for cold tact clinches the bargain sails out of the bay get the vote in the senate spite of webster or clay i never will surrender to a nigger said a confederate officer when a colored soldier chased and caught him very sorry massa said the negro leveling his rifle must kill you den ain't time to go back and get a white man the officer surrendered When God endowed human beings with brains, says Montesquieu, he did not intend to guarantee them. When Abraham Lincoln was running for the legislature the first time, on the platform of the improvement of the Sangamon River, he went to secure the votes of thirty men who were cradling a wheat field. They asked no questions about internal improvements but only seemed curious to know whether he had muscle enough to represent them in the legislature Lincoln took up a cradle and led the gang around the field the whole thirty voted for him i do not know how it is said napoleon in surprise to his cook but at whatever hour I call for my breakfast my chicken is always ready and always in good condition this seemed to him the more strange BECAUSE SOMETIMES HE WOULD BREAKFAST AT EIGHT AND AT OTHER TIMES AS LATE AS SEVEN. SIRE, SAID THE COOK, THE REASON IS THAT EVERY QUARTER OF AN HOUR I PUT A FRESH CHICKEN DOWN TO ROAST, SO THAT YOUR MAJESTY IS SURE ALWAYS TO HAVE IT AT PERFECTION. TALENT IN THIS AGE IS NO MATCH FOR TACT. WE SEE ITS FAILURE EVERYWHERE. Tact will manipulate one talent so as to get more out of it in a lifetime than ten talents will accomplish without it. Talent lies abed till noon. Tact is up at six. Talent is power. Tact is skill. Talent knows what to do. Tact knows how to do it. Talent is something, but tact is everything. It is not a sixth sense but it is like the life of all the five it is the open eye the quick ear the judging taste the keen smell and lively touch it is the interpreter of all riddles the surmounter of all difficulties the remover of all obstacles the world is full of theoretical one-sided impractical men who have turned all the energies of their lives into one faculty until they have developed not a full-orbed symmetrical man but a monstrosity while all their other faculties have atrophied and died we often call these one-sided men geniuses and the world excuses their impractical and almost idiotic conduct in most matters because they can perform one kind of work that no one else can do as well a merchant is excused if he is a giant in merchandise though he may be an imbecile in the drawing-room. Adam Smith could teach the world economy in his Wealth of Nations, but he could not manage the finances of his own household. Many great men are very impractical even in the ordinary affairs of life. Isaac Newton could read the secret of creation, but tired of rising from his chair to open the door for a cat and her kitten, he had two holes cut through the panels for them to pass at will a large hole for the cat and a small one for the kitten beethoven was a great musician but he sent three hundred florins to pay for six shirts and half a dozen handkerchiefs he paid his tailor as large a sum in advance and yet he was so poor at times that he had only a biscuit and a glass of water for dinner he did not know enough of business to cut the coupon from a bond when he wanted money, but sold the whole instrument. Dean Swift nearly starved in a country parish where his more practical classmate Stafford became rich. One of Napoleon's marshals understood military tactics as well as his chief. But he did not know men so well, and lacked the other's skill and tact. Napoleon might fall but like a cat he would fall upon his feet for his argument in the florida case a fee of one thousand dollars in crisp new bills of large denomination was handed to daniel webster as he sat reading in his library the next day he wished to use some of the money but could not find any of the bills years afterward as he turned the page of a book he found a bank bill without a crease on it. On turning the next leaf, he found another. And so on, until he took the whole amount lost from the places where he had deposited them thoughtlessly, as he read. Learning of a new issue of gold pieces at the Treasury, he directed his secretary, Charles Landman, to obtain several hundred dollars' worth. A day or two after, he put his hand in his pocket for one but they were all gone webster was at first puzzled but on reflection remembered that he had given them away one by one to friends who seemed to appreciate their beauty a professor in mathematics in a new england college a bookworm was asked by his wife to bring home some coffee how much will you have asked the merchant well i declare my wife did not say but I guess a bushel will do. Many a great man has been so absent-minded at times as to seem devoid of common sense. The professor is not at home, said his servant, who looked out of a window in the dark and failed to recognize Lessing when the latter knocked at his own door in a fit of absent-mindedness. Oh, very well, replied Lessing. No matter, I'll call it another time louis philippe said he was the only sovereign in europe fit to govern for he could black his own boots the world is full of men and women apparently splendidly endowed and highly educated yet who can scarcely get a living not long ago three college graduates were found working on a sheep farm in australia one from oxford one from cambridge and the other from a german university college men tending brutes trained to lead men they drove sheep the owner of the farm was an ignorant coarse sheep raiser he knew nothing of books or theories but he knew sheep his three hired graduates could speak foreign languages and discuss theories of political economy and philosophy but he could make money he could talk about nothing but sheep and farm but he had made a fortune while the college men could scarcely get a living. Even the university could not supply common sense. It was culture against ignorance, the college against the ranch, and the ranch beat every time. Do not expect too much from books. Bacon said that studies teach not their own use, but that there is a practical wisdom without them, won by observation use of books must be found outside their own lids it was said of a great french scholar he was drowned in his talents over culture without practical experience weakens a man and unfits him for real life book education alone tends to make a man too critical too self-conscious timid distrustful of his abilities too fine for the mechanical drudgery of practical life too highly polished and too finely cultured for everyday use. The culture of books and colleges refines. Yet it is often but an ethical culture and is gained at the cost of vigor and rugged strength. Book culture alone tends to paralyze the practical faculties. The bookworm loses his individuality. His head is filled with theories and saturated with other men's thoughts. The stamina of the vigorous mind he brought from the farm has evaporated in college and when he graduates he is astonished to find that he has lost the power to grapple with men and things and is therefore outstripped in the race of life by the boy who has had no chance but who in the fierce struggle for existence has developed hard common sense and practical wisdom the college graduate often mistakes his crutches for strength he inhabits an ideal realm where common sense rarely dwells the world cares little for his theories or his encyclopedic knowledge the cry of the age is for practical men we have been among you several weeks said columbus to the indian chiefs and although at first you treated us like friends you are now jealous of us and are trying to drive us away you brought us food in plenty every morning but now you bring very little and the amount is less with each succeeding day the great spirit is angry with you for not doing as you agreed in bringing us provisions to show his anger he will cause the sun to be in darkness he knew that there was to be an eclipse of the sun and told the day and hour it would occur but the indians did not believe him and continued to reduce the supply of food on the appointed day the sun rose without a cloud and the indians shook their heads beginning to show signs of open hostility as the hours passed without a shadow on the face of the sun but at length a dark spot was seen on one margin and as it became larger, the natives grew frantic and fell prostrate before Columbus to entreat for help. He retired to his tent, promising to save them if possible. About the time for the eclipse to pass away, he came out and said that the Great Spirit had pardoned them and would soon drive away the monster from the sun if they would never offend him again. They readily promised. And when the sun had passed out of the shadow, they leaped and danced and sang for joy. Thereafter, the Spaniards had all the provisions they needed. Common sense, said Wendell Phillips, bows to the inevitable and makes use of it. When Caesar stumbled in landing on the beach of Britain, he instantly grasped a handful of sand and held it aloft as a signal of triumph hiding forever from his followers the ill omen of his threatened fall goethe speaking of some comparisons that had been instituted between himself and shakespeare said shakespeare always hits the right nail on the head at once but i have to stop and think which is the right nail before i hit it has been said that a few pebbles from a brook in the sling of a david who knows how to send them to the mark are more effective than a goliath's spear and a goliath's strength with a goliath's clumsiness get ready for the redskins shouted an excited man as he galloped up to the log cabin of the moore family in ohio many years ago and give me a fresh horse as soon as you can they killed a family down the river last night and nobody knows where they'll turn up next what shall we do? asked Mrs. Moore with a pale face. My husband went away yesterday to buy our winter supplies and will not be back until morning. Husband away? Phew, that's bad. Well, shut up as tight as you can. Cover up your fire and don't strike a light tonight. Then springing upon the horse the boys had brought, he galloped away to warn other settlers. Mrs. Moore carried the younger children to the loft of the cabin and left obed and joe to watch reluctantly yielding the post of danger to them at their urgent request they're coming joe whispered obed early in the evening as he saw several shadows moving across the fields Stand by that window with the ax while i get the rifle pointed at this one opening the bullet pouch he took out a ball but nearly fainted as he found it was too large for the rifle. His father had taken the wrong pouch. Obed felt around to see if there were any smaller balls in the cupboard, and almost stumbled over a very large pumpkin, one of the two, which he and Joe had been using to make jack-o'-lanterns, when the messenger alarmed them. Pulling off his coat, he flung it over the vegetable lantern, made to imitate a gigantic grinning face with open eyes, nose and mouth and with a live coal from the ashes he lighted the candle inside i'll sound the war-whoop in a minute if i give them time he whispered as he raised the covered lantern to the window now for it he added pulling the coat away an unearthly yell greeted the appearance of the grinning monster and the indians fled wildly to the woods quick joe light up the other one don't you see that's what scared em so demanded obed and at the appearance of the second fiery face the savages gave a final yell and vanished in the forest mr moore and daylight came together but the indians did not return thurlow weed earned his first quarter by carrying a trunk on his back from a sloop in new york harbor to a broad street hotel he had very few chances such as are now open to the humblest boy but he had tact and intuition he could read men as an open book and mold them to his will he was unselfish by three presidents whom his tact and shrewdness had helped to elect he was offered the english mission and scores of other important positions but he invariably declined lincoln selected weed to attempt the reconciliation of the new york herald which had a large circulation in europe and was creating a dangerous public sentiment abroad and at home by its articles in sympathy with the confederacy though weed and bennett had not spoken to each other before for thirty years the very next day after their interview the herald became a strong union paper Weed was then sent to Europe to counteract the pernicious influence of secession agents. The Emperor of France favoured the South. He was very indignant because Charleston Harbour had been blockaded, thus shutting off French manufacturers from large supplies of cotton. But Weed's rare tact modified his views, and induced him to change to friendliness the tone of a hostile speech prepared for delivery at the national assembly england was working night and day preparing for war when weed arrived upon the scene and soon changed largely the current of public sentiment on his return to america the city of new york extended public thanks to him for his inestimable services He was equally successful in business and acquired a fortune of a million dollars tell me the breadth of this stream said napoleon to his chief engineer as they came to a bridgeless river which the army had to cross sire i cannot my scientific instruments are with the army and we are ten miles ahead of it measure the width of this stream instantly sire be reasonable ascertain at once the width of this river or you shall be deposed the engineer drew the cap piece of his helmet down until the edge seemed just in line between his eye and the opposite bank then holding himself carefully erect he turned on his heel and noticed where the edge seemed to touch the bank on which he stood which was on the same level as the other he paced the distance to the point last noted and said THIS IS THE APPROXIMATE WIDTH OF THE STREAM. HE WAS PROMOTED. Mr. Webster, said the mayor of a western city, when it was learned that the great statesman, although weary with travel, would be delayed for an hour by a failure to make close connections, allow me to introduce you to Mr. James, one of our most distinguished citizens. How do you do, Mr. James?' asked webster mechanically as he glanced at a thousand people waiting to take his hand the truth is mr webster replied mr james in a most lugubrious tone i am not very well i hope nothing serious is the matter thundered the godlike daniel in a tone of anxious concern well i don't know that mr webster i think it's rheumatiz but my wife mr webster this is mr smith broke in the mayor leaving poor mr james to enjoy his bad health in the pitiless solitude of a crowd his total want of tact had made him ridiculous address yourself to the jury sire said a judge to a witness who insisted upon imparting his testimony in a confidential tone to the court direct the man did not understand and continued as before speak to the jury sir the men sitting behind you on the raised benches turning the witness bowed low in awkward servility and said good morning gentlemen what are these asked napoleon pointing to twelve silver statues in a cathedral the twelve apostles was the reply take them down said napoleon Melt them, coin them into money, and let them go about doing good, as their master did. "'I don't think the proverbs of Solomon show very great wisdom,' said a student at Brown University. "'I could make as good ones myself.' "'Very well,' replied President Wayland. "'Bring in two tomorrow morning.' He did not bring them will you lecture for us for fame was the telegraph young henry ward beecher received from a young men's christian association in the west yes f a m e fifty and my expenses was the answer the shrewd young preacher sent back montaigne tells of a monarch who on the sudden death of an only child showed his resentment against providence by abolishing the christian religion throughout his dominions for a fortnight the triumphs of tact or common sense over talent and genius are seen everywhere walpole was an ignorant man and charlemagne could hardly write his name so that it could be deciphered but these giants knew men and things It possessed that practical wisdom and tact which have ever moved the world. Tact, like Alexander, cuts the knots it cannot untie, and leads its forces to glorious victory. A practical man not only sees, but seizes the opportunity. There is a certain getting-on quality difficult to describe, but which is the great winner of the prizes of life napoleon could do anything in the art of war with his own hands even to the making of gunpowder paul was all things to all men that he might save some the palm is among the hardest and least yielding of all woods yet rather than be deprived of the rays of the life-giving sun in the dense forests of south america it is said to turn into a creeper and climb the nearest trunk to the light. A farmer who could not get a living sold one-half of his farm to a young man who made enough money on the half to pay for it and buy the rest. You have not tact, was his reply, when the old man asked how one could succeed so well where the other had failed. According to an old custom, a Cape Cod minister was called upon in April TO MAKE A PRAYER OVER A PIECE OF LAND. NO, SAID HE, WHEN SHOWN THE LAND. THIS DOES NOT NEED A PRAYER. IT NEEDS MANURE. TO SEE A MAN AS HE IS, YOU MUST TURN HIM ROUND AND ROUND UNTIL YOU GET HIM AT THE RIGHT ANGLE. PLACE HIM IN A GOOD LIGHT, AS YOU WOULD A PICTURE. THE EXCELLENCES AND DEFECTS WILL APPEAR IF YOU GET THE RIGHT ANGLE how our old schoolmates have changed places in the ranking of actual life the boy who led his class and was the envy of all has been distanced by the poor dunce who was called slow and stupid but who had a sort of dull energy in him which enabled him to get on in the world the class leader had only a theoretical knowledge and could not cope with the stern realities of the age even genius however rapid its flight must not omit a single essential detail and must be willing to work like a horse shakespeare had marvellous tact he worked everything into his plays he ground up the king and his vassal the fool and the fop the prince and the peasant the black and the white the pure and the impure the simple and the profound passions and characters honor and dishonor everything within the sweep of his vision he ground up into paint and spread it upon his mighty canvas some people show want of tact in resenting every slight or petty insult however unworthy their notice others make don quixote's mistake of fighting a windmill by engaging in controversies with public speakers and editors who are sure to have the advantage of the final word one of the greatest elements of strength in the character of washington was found in his forbearance when unjustly attacked or ridiculed Artemus ward touches this bubble with a pretty sharp-pointed pen it was in a certain town in Virginia, the mother of presidents and things that i was shamefully abused by an editor in human form he set my shop steep and called me the urbane and gentlemanly manager but when i for the purpose of show and fair play all round went to another office to get my handbills printed what does this pusillanimous editor do but change his tune and aboos me like a injun he said my waxworks was a humbug and called me a hurry-headed itinerant vagabond i thought at first i'd polish him or if i la a bennick a boy but on reflectin that he could polish me much was in his paper i give it up and i would hear occasion to advise people when they run again as they sometimes will these miserable papers to not pay no attention to em above all don't assault an editor of this kind it only gives him a notoriety which is just what he wants and don't do you no more good than it would to jump into any other mud-puddle editors are generally fine men but there must be black sheep in every flock john jacob astor had practical talent in a remarkable degree during a storm at sea on his voyage to america the other passengers ran about the deck in despair expecting every minute to go down but young astor went below and coolly put on his best suit of clothes saying that if the ship should founder and he should happen to be rescued he would at least save his best suit of clothes their trading talent is bringing the jews to the front in america as well as in europe said a traveler to one of that race and it has gained for them an ascendancy, at least in certain branches of trade from which nothing will ever displace them they are coming to the front most zatenly replied his companion but why do you speak of dare trade and talent all the time but don't you regard it as a talent a talent no it is a genius i will tell you what is the difference in trade between talent and genius when one goes into a man's store and manages to seal him that at once Dat is talent, but when another man goes into dat man's store and sells him what he don't want, dat is genius, and dat is de genius what my race has got. End of chapter twenty, tact or common sense. Recording by Luke Sartor, Brisbane, Queensland.